believe in America. America gave me my love of movies. I made my career in America. We created this podcast in America. I met all three of you on this podcast in America. And you know what else? I believe in tradition. And my friend Jesse here on this pod has three daughters. And at this film, we just watched as to believe, that means I have three opportunities to make a request from him that he can't refuse. <laughs> Mark, what are we watching? Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspects. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm going to make them an offer again with you. Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. That was wonderful, Jeff. Thanks for uh, leading us in with that uh, classic uh, flashback there to 1972. And we're watching, in honor of the 50th anniversary, The Godfather. And for those that need a quick refresher... Widely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time, this mob drama, based on Mario Puzo's novel of the same name, focuses on the powerful Italian-American crime family of Don Vito Corleone, played by Marlon Brando, when the Don's youngest son, Michael, played by Al Pacino, reluctantly joins the mafia, he becomes involved in the inevitable cycle of violence and betrayal. Dun, dun, dun. We got everybody in the building tonight because this is an important movie. Nico, how are you? I'm so excited for this. I've been prepping for days. Woo woo! Glad yeah. to hear you. And Jesse, you're in the kitchen, I believe, making uh, some uh, spaghetti sauce. Hey, I'm multitasking. Hey. He's learning how to cook for 20 men. I love it. <laughs> The key exactly. is you put the key is you mix in the meatballs. The meatballs, <laughs> your sausages. <laughs> oh, this did is you, great. Did you know originally for the poster for this movie they were gonna use a spaghetti string as the visual with Were the, they? I didn't yeah. see that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> did did this movie make anybody else want to eat Italian? Like <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Every time There's a lot of people yeah. that do that. That's a legit thing for a lot of people. So we're going to try to do this movie justice. We were all born after this movie came out. And uh, so we all obviously didn't see it when it was in the theaters or the sequel. But uh, we were kids when the third one came out. And we're probably not going to talk too much about the second or the third one tonight. But um, Third one's horrible. When did you guys see this for the first time? Nico, when did you see this for the first time? I started film school, actually. And it was, uh, it was a big deal. Our, our professor... I'm trying to see if I can remember his name. Ernesto out of Acevedo Ornez. He he made it a big deal. It was an entire week. We had to study each scene individually as well. And he just brought so much life to it. And I, I never forgot it from that point on. So I was about 
18 years old. And That's it was, exciting. Yeah, That's so iconic. exciting. I love that he put so much work into that. Yeah. And it was, it was probably like an intro to film class, right? Yeah, it was intro yeah. to film class. It was the very first movie we studied, too. And For it was sure. I love it. I very love big that. deal. We spent an entire week on it, and I just, I loved it ever since. So we didn't talk anything about two or three. We talked a lot about Mario Puzo's novel, and I'm going to actually dig into a lot of what I still remember to this day, 20-odd years later, from, from watching it for that first time. I love it. So we'll get yeah. into that as, yeah. as the evening progresses. But, Jeff, did you see this in film school for the first time, too? No, I saw it in high school. I, okay. I rented um, parts of it. I, I don't. This might have been the only time I've seen this thing all the way through. I've caught it on television different times, and I've rented it. I think I rented this movie like four times trying to finish it, and I was never able to finish it. <laughs> it's a little slow for me. Um, fair enough, fair enough. But, no, no, like, I do remember the first time I saw it, I absolutely was captivated all the way through, like, like the horse's head. And, okay, so that's 35 um, minutes, so we're, I'm glad then, the film got you for 35 minutes. It did. <laughs> and then I took a, I saw there was like, I saw there was like two and a half hours left, and I'm like, okay, I need a break. And I got to the, uh, uh, this, the, the, scene killed the killing scene in the restaurant and i got lost and bored in the in the uh, sicily part so i think i like finished it years later it was on tnt uh and i realized that uh this is more like episodic television and you got to watch it in stages uh but i i watched it on a plane i this was perfect timing i went to croatia recently and i wanted to give the whole thing away through so i watched it the entire thing on the plane and being locked in a room is how you have to, if you're going to watch this thing all the way through, you have to, how you have to do it. Um, <laughs> you make it sound like this movie's torture watching it. No, this movie's I, I, fantastic. This movie's fantastic. Uh, I'm glad might, you loved it. It might be one of the best movies ever made. Perfect. But, I, 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 I um, love it. It's Jesse, just not, you... it's not made for modern audiences. It is made for people in the 1970s that didn't have a lot to do. <laughs> if this movie was this good now, can you imagine how great it was back then? Like that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we've and actually I, I... we've seen a few '70s films on here, and, and I'm joking about this movie being slow. It's nothing on that. All the President's Men, like this is like at like a and all the President's Men also that. one of the most highly rated movies too. But um, th- that is a slow burn as well. And uh, just like Black Christmas, equally a slow burn. Right. Now, we've just done a few on the 70s that are in it. So that tells me this movie probably seemed like a breakneck pace to audiences at that time. Well, I mean, I'll, I talk about this a lot on the pod, but I think, I think this movie reinforces it. The movie's really kind of started for me in the 70s. I don't really care much about anything that happened in film in the 60s. Because you haven't seen Casablanca. Uh, I have. That was the 40s. Oh, yeah, we but, saw it together. That's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. We, we have a graduate. town. But, like, this was the, the 70s was the beginning of all four directors that are now infamous and the beginning of, like, the, the birth of the industry to me, right? Of the modern industry. The auteur. It is the birth of the I'm glad modern you said auteur. modern history, yeah. industry. It's, it's the birth of the Because auteur. I'm a big Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton guy, so... That's why I was like, uh, I don't love what you're saying, but now I understand it. But a if the bit 70s more. was so the beginning, this is we, probably the one that started the 70s, right? Nick, 70s. Nick's not wrong, though, because this is at the tail end of the studio system. The studio system, basically, when it was broken up in the 1950s, I believe, because of, by the U.S. government, uh, this they kind of revived the movie industry, and this is the beginning of the auteur era. And if there is no Godfather, there probably is no Spiel, like there is no Spielberg. Because Coppola uh, basically had a lot of power on this set and was given power that a lot of directors didn't have. And 
if it didn't pay off, it might not have ever happened again, or it might have been a long time. But because it did, we get Lucas in Star Wars, we get Spielberg with Jaws, and it is the birth of the auteur of the basically almost a film by where the director um, where the director almost takes authorship of the film. So it was so, the, absolutely the beginning of an era. Coppola had to earn that though, so I don't want to let the, get that confused since we're jumping right in here, but. Uh, if, for those that weren't aware, for the first two months of production, there was a second director following him around. The entire time they shot. So every day, he woke up thinking, is today the day I get fired from this movie I'm trying to make? Well, and did you read that the editor, the original editor, tried to sabotage it? it all kinds of stuff, dude. It's so the original editor was sending cut. The original editor of the film, hired by the studio, was sending cuts to the studio to basically try to get Coppola fired, saying how bad it was. Um, they luckily did an investigation. They went in themselves. They saw the reels and they did their own cuts. And they're like, this is brilliant. It turns out that editor was next up in line to direct the film. So he was trying to sabotage it to get Coppola fired so he could take it over. Uh, real quick, Jesse, when did you see this for the first time? I saw it in high school. Um... Senior year was a big year of me watching classic films, um, Kubrick, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Godfather, Mallrats. yada, yada, yada. Oh, yeah. Throw in Mallrats, exactly. Right in those classic films. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely saw it in high school, but I remember seeing the book on our bookshelf. My dad read this book, the first introduction, but I, I saw the movie in high school when I was on my... Um, film history kick before college. Yeah. We all go through those periods that summer or whatever where you just watch them all. I talk about that a lot too. I love it. Uh, so I saw this in college for the first time and it blew my mind. <laughs> so it, it was, you know, it, it, it was either intro to film or language to film. I don't know if you remember which one, Jeff, but one of those two we had to watch it. It was, and, oh, it, not in mine. That was, that's interesting. Oh, okay. So, and there you go. Um, and I don't remember which one it was, but I was kind of in the same boat as Nico, but I didn't get a week long, you know, dissertation on it, which is, which I, I, I would have welcomed. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, awesome. I'm actually as big a fan of, uh, Goodfellas and The Sopranos you are, Mark. I'm actually shocked that you didn't see this until, uh, I would have, well, I, I would have so figured you Goodfellas, went out and saw this after Goodfellas. Well, Goodfellas, I'm uh, so Goodfellas. I'm infamous for seeing in the theater when I was eight years old and should have never seen it. And so that was like a movie. Like my parents were like, "Oh my God, what did we just do?" Because I was with both my parents for that movie. <laughs> so they and, didn't rush out to give you the Godfather after. And, <laughs> and 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 it was so above my pay grade, anyways, at the time that I, uh, Goodfellas evolved into what it did for me. And Sopranos didn't come out until '99, the year before we went to college. So fair. That kind okay. of, um, that kind of, that's, that's kind of what did it was the Sopranos actually. That's what, cause the Sopranos pays such love to the Godfather and I'm glad that you brought that up because that, that, you know, they quote the Godfather throughout the I show. I mean, the Bada Bing, the yeah. Bada Bing Club. All Which kinds like. of stuff. But. Line James Caan learned from his mobster friend, but let's trace it backwards. I mean, the Sopranos would change TV, right? If it's oh, changed absolutely. movies, Sopranos changed TV. For it was all sure. sitcoms with the laugh, with the laugh voice on it until I, the Sopranos changed it. Absolutely. So, the Godfather's unlikely success story. I've just I found some great notes when I was researching, and 
basically no one would have foreseen that the picture would become a major success, let alone this all-time classic. And it, it was supposed to be like a cheap pot boiler, and, and meaning it was just supposed to, you know, put money in the pockets of the people that were making it, basically. And the studio, they were hoping it was going to be able to be produced cheaply and pick up just a quick buck. Um, so they acquired the rights for 80 grand, which wasn't bad by the 70s standards, but hardly a record. And people probably thought the studio paid too much at the time, but the head of production at the time, Robert Evans, who went on to just being this uber like famous producer, right, because of The Godfather basically bankrolled his whole career, he saw potential in this. And Mario Puzo was a mostly unknown writer at the time, and the success of this novel was totally unexpected because I believe the story goes the novel was released with, out it being edited do you guys know if that's true nico you know some stuff about the novel i know it was a smash bestseller but go ahead it was a bestseller but original like puzo's like agent basically was like oh yeah we're putting this out now and so original like the original draft i believe that was released had all sorts of like editing issues and and but but it still became this bestseller and this so, huge success. so i have that i this is interesting to add to what you just said i think it's great a 800K was very, very much underpriced, but I, I no, heard... 80K, 80K. 80K. I, I, I have 800, so... Yeah, he needed money. He had a gambling debt, right? Um, pro- probably to Mo Green. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but also, he, he sold the, the rights to this to whoever you just mentioned after a 20-page draft. The book wasn't even finished yet. So okay. He sold it very early, very cheap, obviously needing money. Obviously, a huge mistake, right? When you talk about luck and bad luck, I love that line in the movie where it says "You're unlucky" to Mo Green, because that's how I think about Puzo. <laughs> if you think about it, I don't know. Yeah. But what worked? What worked, Jesse? So we kind of alluded to it, so it's kind of a good segue. But the story, yeah, the story it just it just works for me. Um, it's a it's a beautiful tragedy. Um, it's the life of a mafia family, equal parts loyal beautiful, horrifying, um, but nothing is more important than the family. And so Shakespeare. All that just worked me. Yes. It's, you know, it's Shakespeare for the common man. <laughs> we get rid of all the, the, the language of Shakespeare and we, you know, we still get Shakespeare. Family, loyal, betrayal, revenge, power. It's, uh, it's all right there, but uh, it's just a little more realistic and believable for everyone that put their eyes on it. What else worked, Nico? The ensemble of characters. Probably, uh, oh, I actually have in my notes, too, that uh, Stanley Kubrick said this is the best cast of all time and the best movie of all time. And that very much reflective. I mean, I love the side characters as much as the main characters. I have here a shout-out to Luca Brasi, Polly, Mo Green, Johnny Fontaine, and Clemenza. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Those characters are outstanding. And Tessio. Tessio's so good. Sally? Sally yeah, boy? Sally. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah he, that's... T- Sally, Sally actually Tessio. looks like Uncle Fester. He does, for sure. He definitely <laughs> he looks does. like Uncle Fester. Um, I have what works is the invention of the mob world, for at least pop culture purposes, and the mob genre of movies and TV to come. This is this is the beginning of it all. I have the fa- what Jesse said, the foundation of family, and letting nothing get in the way of its best interest. And the intro to Italians to the movies, which I don't know if there was many before this, but this was the big intro as far as I understand it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a great story about a 
immigrant family to yeah. the, the American dream. It, it's, um, it's, it's, you know, glorified, obviously, but... Right. And I, I, I think anytime somebody hears even Sicilian, they, they think automatically of this movie, right? It's, it's connected I mean, it's, to a geography point now. So many among the real Italian mafia in America were totally influenced by this movie. They're on record stating that Marlon Brando showed them the way they should carry out their business, which is partly why The Godfather is like, just has this lore about it on top of everything else. Sammy the Bull Gravano, right? He saw this movie and he said, I left this movie stunned. I floated out of the theater. Maybe it was fiction, but for me then, was that was our life. It was incredible. I remember talking to a multitude of guys, made guys, who felt exactly the same way. And, and, and so that, uh, you just made me think of the Sopranos too, but it, when you brought it up earlier, but that's the same thing, like you said. Um, it's so incredible that that even happens. It's, in, it's unreal. This movie comes out and now mobsters and mafiosos are like, yep, that's how we need to act. We need <laughs> yeah. to act like Don Corleone. Yeah, this is how we need to conduct business. We're, we're going to work business like Marlon Brando worked business. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna do favors, but I'm gonna call on you some other time, and I'm gonna when I need you, I'm gonna need you then. Okay, okay. It's so crazy, and it's so awesome. What else worked, Jeff? Um, yeah, I, I have a lot of things written down here, but uh, first, I want to I, I got to talk about something real quick here. I think this is one of uh, I mean, you can always debate like the best movie ever made, and it's always hard or whatever. But I think what's undebatable is this is one of the most important movies ever made uh without this film and i realized it while watching it um that was part of my diatribe about it being too long and different things or whatever without this film there is no prestige tv because that is exactly what they're doing here uh and it's interesting history repeats itself but it never repeats itself exactly the same way so this was kind of the birth of the anti-hero and this sprawling story with a sprawling large cast with all these interlocking stories uh, told over a long period of time. That's what, since The Sopranos, that's what television's been doing right now. And it really is the birth of the anti-hero with Michael uh, and the character who's not necessarily a good guy, but yet the audience uh, roots for him anyway. From that, you get Breaking Bad, Obviously, you'd already named The Sopranos, uh, even Mad, even Mad Men. Just pretty I much everybody prestige in this television. Bad. Everybody in this movie is bad, though. You know, it's it's everybody's, I guess, an antihero in this one. Like I said, well, they all, the, everyone has their own agenda. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and even and except we're, Kay. We're Kay's not bad. Where it clued me, she's not. She's super important Granted. in this movie. She's for like for that reason. Yes, uh, but it 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 just dawned on me. That literally, if this were made today, it would be like made on HBO and it would be a series. Uh, and that's like the reason that works so well now, it, I think, has to pay tribute to The Godfather. And back then, and uh, back then, you couldn't do that on TV. It's kind of funny how the two have kind of flipped. Right now, the movies are Marvel and like really more simple things and like easy, quick entertainment. And back then, TV was easy, quick entertainment that was easily digestible. And kind of the deeper, the more sprawling, the better stuff was in the films, like in The Godfather. And now it's kind of the reverse. I find that fascinating. But what worked? I digress. I have Brando's performance. 
Old school Al Pacino. What did we decide, Mark? Was it Scarface or Son of a Woman that ruined him? I love his performance in both. I love him in both of those movies. Scarface. But no, no, but but Scarface is kind of the birth of the over the top Al Pacino. Yes, where, but I mean, where, that's, but that character was—I mean, that character demanded it. So uh, it, it's it, okay it, it, in Scarface. Agree, but he never stops going over the top correct, after Scarface. There's, there's we no we talked there, but Son of a Woman's this, for sure the one. Who, yeah, yeah. I had to bring this. I had yeah. to bring this up. Boo! Bah, boo! Bah. We talk about Mark. We talk about this all the time. Like yeah. this incredible actor that Pacino was. He still is, but it became all performance after Scarface. It's true. It's in school Pacino. Just like the transformation he makes from the young nervous Michael to the monster he's about to become. And it's incredible. And he doesn't even seem like the same guy. Yeah, um, it's, pretty, it's pretty special. It, and it's, I have the. It's very, I have very the, special. Both 100% agree. I have the themes of the theme of capitalism and family. Uh-huh. Uh, which makes this such an incredible American movie. Yep. And that's what that's what struck me watching the film this time was I realized this movie is not about the mafia or any of that at all. This is a movie about America and about the dark side of capitalism. I believe the mafia America. is the ve- the mafia is the vehicle that tells that story. I believe in America. America has made my fortune. What works? Every scene really genuinely feels like an individual work of art. And if you rewatch it, you I feel it. You feel it. You feel it. You feel it so much. Just every little scene. In, in the movie's so long. We talk about how long this movie is. But when you rewatch it, as you watch these individual scenes, just, you know, even like where Michael shows up and, you know, Kay hasn't seen him in forever. And that scene where they're just walking down the street. But it's such a, like, it might seem like, you know, okay, that scene's like kind of a throwaway scene. But then when you rewatch it, you see... The attention see, to detail. Yeah, you see how he's walking. You notice the car following behind him. And it's like, oh, this is our introduction to Michael runs the family now. That's Which that's is the point I was trying to make in the beginning was it's really episodic more than it is. It's this sprawling tale. And it is, it does, while it does feel too long, every scene is so quality. I really like, it's just, it's, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a, uh, long ass chapter book. Yeah. Than it is a short story. It's easier to watch the Godfather half of it one night and the other half the next night. For sure. I'm not going to dispute. Modern it. television. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, it's a long watch from the couch, you know, especially if you worked all day. Cause like you said, it's the seventies cinema. It's not a Marvel film with Spider-Man slinging webs through your screen. So, like, <laughs> wait. I, one final, totally... one final thing I have at work here is the perfect three act structure. I love how the first forty minutes we're just getting drawn into the mafia world. The second act is uh, the battle between the five families, and the third act is Michael resolving it and him taking over. I thought that was perfectly done more than any other movie. So, shout out very to very literary, very yeah, literary. Yeah, and that goes back to full circle with what worked and Jesse starting us off with the story and. Uh, you know, Coppola really tried to, he, he's got this book for, I don't know if any of you have ever seen it, but he's got a book that looks like the size of a fucking phone book, man, and it's the, the Godfather notes, and what he did, he uh, he loved this, the, the source material, and he worked with Mario to f- refine this script to, you know, which is why he gave him credit for the script, and 
he, uh, you know, wanted it to be not the Godfather, but Mario Puzo's Godfather, you know. Which is, and, I, you had to think of, you had to think of The Shining when you were, when you were doing, doing that, Mark. It's so interesting, the contrast there. For sure. Uh, the, I, that, I, when I read that story, I thought the same thing. Didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 yeah. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's just, just the, just the, the stories that you're, you know, that just kind of were unearthed over the last few weeks yeah. when we decided to do this. It's just... Right. This movie's just bigger than us, bigger than any movie really yeah. that we've ever talked about, and you know I didn't realize it until we decided to dive in this way. Like I always knew, but now I like really know type thing. So, What's well, the perfect marriage of commerce and art? Uh, because there, there's a lot of artistic films. And I think before this movie, there was a lot of artistic films, and then there's a lot of like crowd pleasers. But they took a crowd pleaser type novel and type story, something that's going to entertain people and that they're going to want to see. And then they added in method acting, actors at the top of their game, and a director really looking to tell, to your point, Mark, Shakespeare, and a bigger story um, outside of the story. Like we said, the giant themes. Mm-hmm. And they made it work. And yeah. that is very hard to do, but that is one of the. Because of it, I think one of the reasons that we all love uh, cinema so much, because it is an incredible art form that can also entertain you. For sure. I and see. this movie, like, is the perfect marriage of that. I want, I want to share a story that I heard about Coppola. I heard it back in college, but uh, I heard that Pacino was young. He didn't, he didn't really think that movie was going to be that great. This is the folklore I heard. He, you know, he, he, he didn't even get paid on this movie. We'll get into that later. But uh, at the end of the movie, they're doing Brando's funeral scene. And uh, Coppola's still fighting with the studio over that scene. And he didn't. He lost the battle. And he said he went up to Coppola, and Coppola was bawling. He was crying like a man baby. And, he, and the story goes, the folklore, is that Pacino knew at that moment this was going to be a great movie. He, he had no idea before what he was getting into, and he knew at that moment that he cared that much over this tiny scene of the incredible detail to it, that this was going to be a monster. And obviously he was right. And I love that story. I heard it 20 years ago and I still admire it to this day. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I, I, I love it. And I love that, I love that Coppola believed in Pacino. And so I was watching test screenings of, uh, of this, uh, of the casting process. And, it was pretty obvious that they had Diane Keaton locked in as Cave early on, because they had they had Diane Keaton reading with everybody, and 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 basically they went, you know, at the end of the day everybody kept saying, "I want Al, I want Al," and the producers were just so hesitant because nobody knew Al, and and I mean. Al Pacino was the fucking man when he made this movie. He actually got his jaw wired shut for part of the scenes yep. just to add to like just the realism. Like that's commitment, man. That's the stuff you love hearing. And what's your favorite scene, Nico? Ooh. I love the scene where I oh got the the opposite gangster team, I don't have the name, kidnaps Tom and he convinces him what's going to happen next after they killed on uh, they supposedly killed on Corleone. Tom's one of my favorite characters. Tom I love is, how he's know, the voice. Robert Duvall is so good as Tom Hagen. Yes. He's he so is. good. I'm forever going to be a Robert Duvall fan because of how much time I spent with The Godfather over the last month. Like, yeah. Most I didn't people know say I, the reason I didn't know so I, most people, 
Most people say one of the main reasons three doesn't work is that they wouldn't pay Paul. They wouldn't pay Robert Duvall his five million that he wow. wanted for it. They should have given it to him because of the amount of money they made off the first two, regardless. What, what's his official title? The uh, consigliere. Consigliere. He's yeah. the only and voice of reason outside of Don Corleone. And, and because of how special he is, that's probably equally why the consigliere was so special in Sopranos, and they made such an effort to nail that character. Uh, Sopranos definitely mirrors The Godfather, and the more we're more, the more we're bringing this into discussion, the more this is coming to fruition. So. I don't mean this intentionally. But yeah, that's my favorite scene. They could definitely do a Consigliere spinoff like Better Call Saul on its own, right? Yeah, one of my favorite scenes also involves Tom. It's, um, I love, it's not my favorite, but since you brought up Tom, I feel like this is the moment we should talk about it. But when Tom tells Vito that Sonny was shot, I love that scene so much. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, it's a combination. Marlon Brando is so fucking good in that scene, but... Tom is also so good, right? I mean, he he goes toe-to-toe with Marlon Brando, is my yeah. point. And that's such a good yeah. scene where he's just like, Brando's like, you know, my, my wife is upstairs crying and everybody's hysterical. Is somebody going to tell me what's going on? And, and then, he, you know, well, you've had your drink. You know, <laughs> like, It's just such a, oh, it's so good. I love that scene so, so much. And then to the end, when, when he get, you know, when he tells Sally Boy, sorry, buddy, I can't do it. Can't do it this one. Yeah. It's, that it's, was a great scene, yeah. too. Yeah, Tom's great. Tom's Don't mind it was only business. I always liked him. He understands that. Excuse me, Sally. Huh? Great. Jesse, what's your favorite scene? So, my favorite scene is Michael at the restaurant. Oh, it's so good. I mean... I mean, every scene is great, but I'm glad I'm glad someone made that yeah. their favorite. I mean, this is the first step of Michael taking over for his father when he's in the hospital. And it includes the scenes of Clemenza just kind of coaching Michael and telling him, okay, this oh, is, that is good happen. stuff. This that is what we're and do. it's like a half joke, too. Huh? He's just like laughing yeah. as he's telling him how to kill two men. And, yeah, he's like, right. hey, you know, they're going to be watching you, Mikey. You got to drop that gun. You just drop that gun and walk. And then he teaches him how to how to shoot a gun, what to do after he's done, where to drop it, what to, and just that whole sequence. I mean, it's just layered with just yeah, trauma. So it goes back to yeah. Do we I believe they didn't brought... teach? Do we believe that in the army they didn't teach you how to use a handgun? No. Um, <laughs> depends well, on what branch so. and depends I mean, on who knows, uh, what your role is. Yeah, like, well, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just threw me off. It was like he'd never handled one before, and I was like, he's a fucking war hero. What yeah, but a lot of people went off to the war, like, on a whim, didn't they, for World War II? Maybe there was no, tra- you know? He's got all these medals, too, right? He, I mean, yeah. I, he had a medal, <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> he was a badass. He, maybe he was a badass sniper, but, you know, he just, was a little under... Yeah, he, he never had the six-shooter, right? Yeah, didn't yeah. have the six-shooter. Was... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love that we're finding nitpicks here. <laughs> I know, no, that's all I did a whole movie rewatching it the second time was nitpicking the hell out of it. was like, oh, they do this, they do that. Yeah, it's, it's a fun way to watch it. I mean, it is. Jeff, what's your favorite scene? Uh, scene with Michael on the bench with uh, Vito at the end. Oh, at the end. It's the, that's the heart of the entire movie. I'm so glad that you brought And it's that what the because, movie's about. Uh, okay, I love, that you, I, love that, I love that you brought that scene up because... I think the scene that is the tipping off point for that is one of my favorite scenes. It's the one I, I, I had four scenes I wrote down. This is the number one was that moment when Michael goes to the hospital and he moves his dad. It's a great moment. And, I got this and, dad. 
and he, yeah, you get this intimate moment where he kind of, where he tells his dad, you know, I'm going to protect you, and, and I'm here now, and, and Wait, I'm not going anywhere, Real quick basically. to interrupt, those, those tears from Brando during that scene were real. I believe it. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I was just going to say the tear it brings to Vito's eye, in my notes, I wrote this, the tear it brings to Vito's eye is what seals the deal for me, and, and that you just see that, and it's incredible, because... It, it, because those tears are they're layered those tears are layered they're layered because it's no god damn it i wanted you not to be in this family but at the same time i'm so happy you're here for me and i love you very much and i'm so happy you love me type it, it's just a really layered tearful moment for him and 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 i like that jeff you mentioned that scene at the end because that's you know that's that's how we know that that, that tear was layered in the beginning mm-hmm. because of because of what he because of that conversation he yeah. has with him at the end way to back it tells, you because you're right yeah. that's a perfect and, and, it tells you everything about Vito for sure. Corleone for sure. and what his plans were and it also t- like it's kind of that moment of realization that his other sons are kind of knuckleheads correct and yeah. Michael is the <laughs> as much as he wanted something different from Michael Michael yeah. was the only one who could fucking handle it yeah. yeah, Sonny's a hothead. Michael's a smart one. Afraid is a bitch. I mean, for lack of a better word, it's, uh, I mean, it's hundred percent. That's that's the that's the simple uh, simplicity. Does that just make does that, that just make the sister the kids, does that just yeah. make the sister the bad actress? Oh yeah, she's so bad. Con. That's all <laughs> I did right. like Rocky's her in Rocky. Rocky. That's Adrian, man. Adrian. <laughs> so she's also uh, Francis Ford Coppola's sister. Yeah, that's why. Yep. That's, that's how she got the role. That's how she's in the movie. Sophia Coppola is the baby getting baptized. But to finish your point, I think he really he does know that Michael and Tom are the only ones that are the only competent ones. I mean, yep. we see that, right? The Mr. Knuckleheads. He cuts off Sonny in the gangster meeting. He says, forgive yeah. me for spoiling my children. Right? It's such Did a... you guys catch why he never adopt, officially adopted Tom? No. Uh-uh. It was out of respect for Tom's actual father. That's why Vito never officially adopted Tom. Wow, that's good. Because he felt that that was disrespectful to whoever Tom's real father was. Yeah. Even though that he didn't even know him. Did cause... you catch this on the fifth rewatch? Yeah, I did, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't even think I caught it on that. I think I caught it on a documentary I was watching. <laughs> you got tired of watching it, so you just started going to YouTube videos. I had on to this switch movie. to documentaries. No, I just I had to go special features on the old school DVD, brother. Oh man, that's good though. Awesome. I mean, this is stuff no other podcast in this movie is going to bring to you, right? You got to. So I'm sure other people had a second favorite scene. So I'm down to just do another quick roundabout. So I, the other but, one, I, I, had a, I had a couple. I, I wrote down five, but I'll, I'll just say my next one. My next one. Um, I love the meeting of the five, five families. Yeah, when Vito's like... And yeah. when, when he basically susses them, when he's basically sizing them all up to figure out who did it. And Brando is so fucking good in that scene. He, he, like, he... I mean, you he's could good see, in every scene he He's does. got... But he's he's amongst these other like five big bosses, and it establishes why he's like the biggest boss. Right. Uh, I love the wedding scene though. I think that's incredible. Forty minutes, and the best part is everybody waiting in line to greet him to ask for their favor. I, I think that that's. You mean Act One? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. So what's cool about that? Um, so we get three different people that are granted favors from Vito. We see those, yeah. and I don't know if you guys catch of that but we then circle back to all three of those yeah, people i love in the that movie. i love that so you, you got another favorite jesse yeah we mentioned the um 
the hospital scene. I love that scene. I love the five families. I also enjoyed the scene with Michael in Las Vegas, uh, strong arming Mo Green. <laughs> I mean, he's just he's gonna like, buy you out. I'm, I'm gonna buy you out. Yeah. And Mo Green was so offended. He was oh, so, so taken back about what was going on. I, you're you're gonna buy me out. I'm gonna buy you out. I'm Mo um, Green. <laughs> but it, I just, it, I also. I also love... It's an important... Um, well, really quick on that scene. It's an important scene yeah. for Michael, too. Because... Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, Al Pacino is so fucking good at this transformation. And you're starting to see, like... That's when, you know, one of the first meetings where he's like, Michael's kind of a badass. Like, it's slow... Like, right. he slowly takes on that badass persona. And I just... I thought that was a very important scene to his character. So, go ahead, Jesse. Keep going. Yeah. No, after that scene, there's no doubt he's the, he's the Don. Right? Jeff, what's another favorite scene of yours before we move on to quotes? I feel like that opening scene is just one of the greatest opening scenes in American history. I, the first law, I believe in America, it just it comes off so powerful. His speech is powerful. It tells you so much about our main character, Brando. It, set, it, it does exactly what an opening scene is. It's supposed to bring you in. And even better, I learned something else. This is the beginning of the film. In the 70s, they knew how to start a fucking movie. In the 80s and 90s, when they just would play like 95 minutes of credits that nobody gives a shit about. That, that, was a, that wasn't like movies. They like forgot how to make them in the 80s and 90s. So credit, credit to Coppola knowing how to start a fucking movie. I love everything you just said about that, actually. It's, it is a great opening scene. We, that's part the, one of the really most heavily studied part when we watched in film school was the line of I Believe in America and how important it was to the story that was to follow so you nailed that the, the black fade the camera work yeah the fact that we're looking at it from the don's point of view to begin with yeah. the before music they too. tilt the, the music it's so oh, the mute oh the score the score yeah. in this none of us have mentioned the score yet. yeah the score in this movie is just out of its fucking mind like it's so good well it is so good and you know originally that um the the ending the climax it's it didn't work because it the be, the editing between all those, um, you know, the scenes with the, the Michael's plan unfolding and, and the baptism, it wasn't until they figured out how to add the organ music. It was the organ music that tied That's that a, whole thing together. Yep. He said it didn't and, really work until they added the organs. Yep. Yeah, and, and I mean, that, so I'm glad you brought up the music because that, that was one of the tidbits I had within the music was, uh, that like, they needed that organ music to make the like the most famous climax of a movie ever. <laughs> totally like bring it all together. Um, I guess I want to mention the one last scene that I love is when uh, when Michael um, has Carlo killed for his part in getting Sonny killed. Yeah, it's, oh. uh, I, it's awesome. And, and when you see Michael walk so away, gruesome. that 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 look on Michael's face, it's so. Like we were just get, you know we were just debating about when he goes full Heisenberg whatever like that is definitely full Heisenberg mode. <laughs> that look on his face after Carlo gets driven away of being strangled by Clemenza but he fucking deserved it oh for sure time. he deserved oh, it I hate that he guy. deserved it big time and what's great is when you first watch it you don't know that it's Carlo necessarily there's clues there that lead you to thinking that like wow that's coincidental this happened right after Connie got beat up and probably called Sonny like you know so like, like something's weird there but they even give you a big clue when Sonny gets his face kicked 
right at the end there, um, after they've shot him a million times. Right. He, 700 that guy, extras. That, that, guy kicks him, that guy kicks him in the face. I don't know if you remember, but when Sonny leaves Carlo beating him the first time in the street, how does he end it? He kicks him in the face like that. And so that was like, that was one of the clues that Coppola gave us as the viewers to, hey, this is uh, definitely Carlo had something to do with this. And uh, that's just a, I just love that scene. I didn't even catch that. That's a great find, actually. But um, yeah, this movie's just so good. We got quotes for days, probably. I like to drink wine more than I used to. Anyway, I'm drinking more. It's good for you, Pop. You know, leave the gun, take the cannolis. What else we got? <laughs> it's one of the most famous quotes ever. What's done is done. What's done is done. That's every mafia movie now, though, right? I, right? I never yep. wanted this for you. I work my whole life, I don't apologize, to take care of my family. And I refuse to be a fool, dancing on the string held by all those big shots. I don't apologize, that's my life. But I thought that, that when it was your time that you would be the one to hold the strings. Fredo, you're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Ever. ever. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's uh, quotes are always family-related, because he's a family guy. I love that. <laughs> Fredo, you're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Ever. Speaking of Fredo, he was banging cocktail waitress two at a time. <laughs> make him an offer he can't refuse. Nothing to me about selling. I'll make him an offer he can't refuse. My father is just like any other powerful man. Michael, do you know how naive you sound? Presidents and senators don't have men killed. Who's being naive, Kay? That's my second quote. That's an that, incredible quote. I, I don't know, that, that was very, we had a lot of political stuff going on in the 70s, early 70s when this movie came out, so that was a really, like, big line for this movie mm-hmm. to have in it at the time, so I thought it was a cool quote to leave in, for yeah. sure. Someday, and that day may never come, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Until that day, accept this justice as a gift on my daughter's wedding day. Mm, it's part of the wedding. No Sicilian can refuse any request on his daughter's wedding day. I have another long one. Should I read the whole thing or cut it short? Cut it cut short. It short. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you lose us halfway through a paragraph. But I'm a superstitious man. And if some unlucky accident should befall him, if he should be shot in the head by a police officer, or if he should hang himself in his jail cell, or if he's struck by a bolt of lightning then I'm going to blame some of the people in this room. And that, I do not forgive. That scene's so good. Yeah, I know is. somebody made mention of that scene, but yeah, I love Jesse, it. Jesse, this one's for you. A man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. I love that. You spend time with your family? Sure I do. Good. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Never hate your enemies. It clouds your judgment. I believe in America. <laughs> Such a good... That's it. Such a great opening line. Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Um, we have Life is Beautiful, 
the last words of a dying Vito Corleone. And can we talk about Vito's death scene and how beautiful that is? Because with his grandchild or great yeah, grandchild? With his, yeah, with his with his or grandchild. Yeah, his grandchild. That his grandchild. that was my third favorite scene. It's I love that it's scene. such a beautiful moment in the film because we yes. see we see him this assassination attempt where he just survives, right? This you know, just being riddled with bullets. And, and the you know the way he goes out is just you know having a heart having a heart attack goofing around with his old I mean as an old man goofing around in the garden with his grandson it's just a beautiful moment in the film and it's really I think it's really special that they put that in there because so many mafia guys die in some you know horrid horrible way and mm. but not Vito Corleone not the godfather not the greatest gangster of all time right like it, it's just i just love it i love it so well and what a great way what a great yeah what a great way for anybody to go out playing oh, with for sure. yeah. grandchild yeah like that absolutely. might be the most perfect way to die absolutely and, and they got <laughs> i mean they, they, it might traumatize it might traumatize the grandkid a little bit yeah. well <laughs> and they hit gold with with shooting that the, the way they shot that scene and mm-hmm. how it ended up working with the grandkid and Everything was. Well, just, didn't the kid really works. think he was dead or something? Yeah, and everything just yeah. worked. Everything just worked so genuinely. I think we, yeah. you know, it was a you know a single take type yeah. thing. But and real quick, never let never let anyone outside the family know what you're thinking. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. just gonna read that, but also Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. Oh uh, yeah, that's a very famous, very famous. Thing. I love the name Luca Brasi, by the way. I think it's top twenty. It is character name, and I love the I love his opening where he's just you know muttering you know <laughs> yeah. he's just There's, he's. Doesn't know what he's gonna say to the dawn, and he's just practicing his words. And I, um... Don Colleone, I am honored and grateful that you have invited me to your daughter's wedding. I think I have here in my notes that he, what's his name, Lenny Montana, is who played Luca Brasi. He was so nervous about actually working with Marlon <laughs> Brando. So... That the first that take of their hilarious. scene together, he flubbed some lines, and so Coppola liked the genuine nervousness and used it in the final cut. Right, and that's what it was. And they added the whole uh, rehearsal the, of meeting. Yeah, so then they added the scene of Luca later. practicing his speech. They added that later. <laughs> <laughs> it's he didn't so good. invited to the wedding. This is that part where maybe we get to be Debbie Downer for a little bit. What didn't work in this movie for Jesse? Bell. This is an easy nitpick. Three hours long in in one sitting. We've referenced this a few times earlier. One sitting, it's long. Um, But my other one was Michael was so adamant about not joining the family business initially within the first hour of the movie. And then all of a sudden, just a 180 degree turn um real quick it's not that it didn't work it was just like whoa like he did not want anything to do with his family business and then all of a sudden it just it just changed real quick and but the scenes that make it it do the 180 work perfectly it worked for me absolutely it worked for me because i i felt it felt slow enough actually i think he just kept looking around and realizing that he was the only one that could do this without fucking it up. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, think I think, think he it was a accepts nice that when they're sitting when they're sitting around talking about what to do and he's like, I'll go, I'll do it. 
I think yeah. he's starting to when he hears Sonny going on about Sonny's stupid ass plans. And I think he and then he hears Tom because the interesting thing is Sonny and Tom Hagen are two sides of a different coin. Tom Hagen is not a wartime consulier. He's already talking about making peace. And the last thing they can do at that point is make peace. And Sonny's a hothead. He's just going to get them all fucking killed. Yeah. And I think he hears the two of them and he realizes I can't rely on these people. It's if the, it's going to have to be me or I'm not going to have any family left. Yeah. And he ends up doing it. That's why I love that scene at the end so much because Vito realizes that Michael did this out of duty. He did this out of loyalty to his family. Uh, he needed the rest of them less than actually all of them need him. But he just... You know, he took the reins and said, this is my responsibility. Stepping on um, ponderings here, but it feels too important to the movie to not bring up. I don't, I don't like how he, the way he wins K back. I needed, for a movie that's three hours long and gives every fucking detail, he sure wins K back really fucking easy. Yeah. She, she gives, lets him get away, the, way too much. Too. There needed to be, like, I'm okay with them getting back together. But, I mean, anybody that's ever been in a fight with their wife or girlfriend, that went that went really smoothly for Michael, let me tell you. Especially since we don't know how long he was gone. That's my bride and, too. Bride and Sicily aside that she probably never knew about. <laughs> he, he, how long have you been still, back? Over a year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so part of me wonders... So she's not naive. Like she's like she calls she's him just out. Just like basically. I'm gonna get murdered if I. Yeah, don't. exactly. <laughs> she just scared into it. Like, well, I used to love him. I'm sure I can love him again. And if I don't, then maybe this isn't gonna be too good for me. But how so, long has he like, gone total? I don't get the whole timeline. That's okay, so that's my that's my only enough, like. He had enough time to get married, and uh, that's like my, my one issue is teach a girl to drive. It, at like, one point, at one point, it's 1946, and then when we're in Vegas, it's with Mo Green. It's 1950s, and I'm just like, how fucking long was? Well, he there's gone? definitely, yeah, for sure. There's time that went by, but well, then he, my other nitpick or things that didn't work was Talia Shire's a bad actress. Yeah, she's bad. That's um, uh, the one we mentioned earlier. Yeah, that's the Connie. sister. Yeah, eh, she's rough. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, her crying. Her yeah. crying is a sound I never have to hear again. Yeah, I know. My only issue is, how long does Michael have the goddamn bruising on his face? So that guy guy doesn't heal fast. To the point where it's almost like annoying, and I was like, maybe it's just because technology is so much better, and I can see it so much better in like the copy that I'm watching. But also, Al Pacino wired his like jaw shut. Maybe Al Pacino, maybe Al Pacino like punched himself in the face to get that. So I did some research. He stuck with it. He wore a foam latex facial appliance that covered his entire left cheek and was made up with colors to match his skin tone (laughs) and give the effect of bruising to simulate the effect of having his jaw broken. But he had it even in Sicily. They overdid that bruise. I know, exactly. That's why it's in my nitpicks. Like, it's like, he has it forever. It basically goes away when he gets married. It's uh, it's time to give some medals out, boys. (laughs) It's medal time. uh, Who wants to start? Jesse has an all-controversial one, I hear. Oh, Jesse, you want to be controversial? Or you want to... You want to go first or last, Jesse? I I, I know you have a controversial one, you say. I'll I'll go first. What's controversial? You do a bunch of ties? I I avoided all ties for The Godfather. Wow, that's... I have no ties. Okay, Zero ties. Zero ties, okay. That that may be a first for me as well. (laughs) Uh, So, honorable mention... 
Francis Ford Coppola. Oh. <laughs> okay. See? Oh, so uh, that was the controversy. All right, all right, all right. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, yeah. Um, it's controversy. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a great film. He's got a great cast. The editing... Actually, we, we've talked about that scene between Michael and Kay at the end where she says he's naive and she's, he's, or she says he's naive and he says, actually, you're naive. There's like a whole five to ten minutes of dialogue that you can tell is just cut out, but not very well. But just when you go back and rewatch, because I didn't rewatch it five times like you, Doctor, but I had watched it, rewatched it three times. Um, and when you go back, it's just, it, it is sloppy. Like the, the story is great. The movie is great. The actors are great. The editing, actually, I, I, I don't disagree with you here, Jesse. The, the editing. Finish this up. What do you got? Bronze, bronze. Let's go. Bronze, Marlon Brando. Okay. I love Marlon Brando, but I could understand about every other word of it, what he said <laughs> during this movie. Even after three rewatches. <laughs> Uh, my silver is Al Pacino. He was fucking amazing in this movie. What the and fuck did you give a gold medal? To? I am, yeah, now, yeah. I, now I am. Now I am on pins you and needles. Really? Let's go to Tom. Wait, wait. Let's all guess where he's going. Drum roll. Who's getting gold? It's going to Tom. It's it's going to Tom, right? Yeah. Obviously. Juan, what do you think? So you gave uh, Brando the bronze. Or did you give it to Sonny? Chino the silver. It's either you gave James, it to you. I mean, it's, either, it's, either, it's either Paul. It's either um, uh, Duvall, Robert Duvall, or James, James Conn. So, but I'm, if, I mean, two. it's got to be Tom. Who is it? Unless he gives it to he's, Diane Keaton. There's but no that's way a, he's giving it out to of the Kay. fucking left Hold field. On. He's not giving Hold it to on. Kay. Maybe in the second yeah. one, Kay's metal worthy. Yeah, she's good in the second one. In the second but, one. Yeah. Go, it's none of those. None. It's none of those. None. Who is it? The editor. Mario Puzo. Mario Puzo. Mario Puzo. Oh, oh, the guy who wrote the story. Puzo. Mario that was our story. bad. Duh, that was our bad. He was heavily involved in the screenplay. For sure. For it's sure. Mario Puzo. Totally okay with that. Yeah, like All that. day long, like gold medal. Mario Puzo. I'm okay. The with story. That. I'm very angry that we just overlooked him <laughs> at your gold medal. <laughs> yeah. Nico, who are your medals? I'm gonna give. Tom, bronze. I'm going to go Tommy. Michael Corleone, silver. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go wow. absolutely Francis Ford Coppola, gold. I mean, this is a careers were made off this movie. Mm, okay. I like it. I like it. You left Marlon Brando off your boat. Yeah, I agree with Jesse. It was just a little too much. He's, wow. I mean, there's too much to choose from. I'm not going to do it. Bring, bring Brando back to the podium. Let's yeah. go. What do you got, Jeff? I'm up. All right. Yeah. Well, my honorable mention is Puzio. I wanted to get up. I'm glad. It's like it's kind of funny. I overlooked him there, just there. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to get him on the metal podium because this is ultimately his story. But I just couldn't do it. Too crowded this this week. Uh, bronze goes to Al Pacino. Yeah, that is just an incredible fucking performance. Uh-huh. It like master classes of acting could be taught from that, and uh, it makes me miss old Al Pacino. Uh, silver. You guys are fucking crazy. Marlon Brando like makes this movie. The reason it's memorable is his performance. It's it is over the top, but it's like it is it's it is what you remember about this movie, it's and it's what makes this movie rewatchable. Michael's Michael's performance is awesome, but watching him like 
change and just subtly do this and that is not what I want to watch again. I want to watch fucking Marlon Brando pet a cat and tell people this. <laughs> and he's going to make an offer they can't refuse. And make him an offer they can't refuse. Like that. Uh, and my gold goes to Francis Ford Coppola. He really changed movies by this. He, some, uh, some ways for the better, some ways for the worse. He gave the director an incredible amount of power. Uh, he had a vision. He enacted it. Uh, I actually agree with all your points, Jesse, a lot of them. I do think it's a poorly edited movie, but I think it's because in the 70s, in the 70s, like the quick cuts, it would have just made them dizzy. They weren't used to looking at a cell phone every 30 seconds. So uh, they just had a, they just had to have things presented to them more like a play back then than they do now. Um, but Coppola gets it. Also has an incredible, has my favorite winery and. uh, Maybe the world. <laughs> Sonoma wine. The Coppola winery in Sonoma is fucking awesome. Uh, shout out. Gold winery. Shout, shout out. out. Mm, I like it. Those of you uh, haven't been should go. So, James Caan and Robert Duvall got my honorable mention. They're, they're just great. They're perfect. Sonny and Tom, I love them to death. Shoot them a mile away. You got to get them close like this. But bing, you blow their brains all over your nice cyber league suit. Come in. Uh, but my medals were the exact same as Jeff, so... Uh, bronze goes to Al, silver goes to Marlin, and Coppola got the gold. And I, I, I couldn't agree more with, with you, Jeff. I think you nailed it. Uh, Brando's incredible, you guys. He won Best Actor for a reason. And even though he's not nearly on screen as much as Al Pacino, it's getting late, boys. And uh, it, it is actually midnight I, here. It's I think, right at midnight. I, I, I think we've got some midnight ponderings, uh, at least a few. I, I'll kick us off, actually, because... I don't know if the Godfather or Sonny get credit for the expression standing there with his dick in his hands, but it did cross my mind when Sonny said that in the movie. I was like, huh, is this where this expression originated from? <laughs> and to the point where I Googled it, and I could not find where this expression originated from. So I'm going to like to think that it came from the Godfather moving forward, but... Because I often say that line, so I, I, I love that, that moment. But Pretty good to plant that gun. I don't want my brother coming out of that toilet with just his dick in his hands, all right? But uh, I answered my own pondering for us, unless either of you guys know that it came long before The Godfather. But uh, Jeff, what ponderings you got? I already said the one was, how long was Michael in Sicily before... Right? Uh, uh, besides the fact that he got married in the meantime, it's uh-huh. the 40s. Wouldn't Kay have been married already by the time he got back? Potentially. Women, and women married pretty quickly back. And she seemed sure. like a well-to-do, waspy lady. Yeah. I can't <laughs> imagine she was just holding out, but yeah. maybe. A well-to-do, Who knows? waspy lady. I know, that was pretty funny. I, um, I, mean, I did have in my mo- notes, do, do you think Michael ever even tells Kay about his wife from oh, Italy? No, <laughs> you keep that Does stuff any... to yourself. You keep that stuff to yourself! <laughs> <laughs> You're so... Occasionally, when he's just crying about his dead for yeah, does she know that she's a second wife? Yeah, exactly. That's what I <laughs> he's, know. Like, he's practically she married mean, a widow. Did they get, in a, did they a get in a did they get in a fight one night? And he goes, you know what? When I was in Italy, I married another woman, <laughs> and she died. Yeah. She's twice your age. The only reason you're around oh, no, she's is because someone age, blew her up in a car. Nico <laughs> <laughs> um, immediately said no. The only unmarried guy. <laughs> you keep that stuff to yourself. Speaking of Sicily. Don't tell that voice. Speaking of Sicily, does it make any sense to hide Michael out in Sicily? 
All of the Mafia Five families are from Sicily. Yeah. Of course they have fucking connections there. It's not that big. It's just a part of Italy. Yeah. Wouldn't it make more sense to hide out in like Australia or something? Well, and the best is they can't, like the one guy keeps showing up every once in a while. I was like, ah, oh, Michael, it's very dangerous for you around here. You know, mm. Michael's just having well, fun. And, and he also the... he also holds a wedding, a giant wedding. Yeah, true, true. true. He's true. been doing a very good job of describing. And it ends up, it ends up being finally one of the bodyguards eventually turns on him and puts a bomb in the car, Fabrizio. And uh, just so you know, they they shot footage and uh, originally at the end of the movie, Michael was supposed to. Uh, Fa- yep. Fabrizio makes his way to America and Michael finds him and blows him away with a shotgun. And, you know they shot his death twice. And then they shot his death again in Godfather, Godfather Part Two. Godfather and they cut that as well. And, yeah, they put him in. They, he blew up in a car bomb like what he did in the first one. And they, yeah, they cut it as ultimate poetic justice. But they ended up cutting that, like you said, as well. But they did put it in when they did the Godfather saga in 1977, and they put the two of them together. They kind of added a couple of scenes to try to make some more money with these smart producers, Mr. Robert Evans. And uh, that's Fabrizio did get his blow up moment then. But why do they not frisk Michael when he comes back from the restroom? <laughs> Nobody like well, they it, frisk him. They frisk him well, before this, he leaves the restaurant. It was a secret location, so they frisk him. They frisk him when he gets up, but when he comes back, and he could have been anywhere. Went out the exit door in the back. He could have done. They're just like, oh, sit down. Yeah, just, I mean, you, you right? Know. They were lazy. Clemenza told him, you know, was, make him feel comfortable. It was how good the damn veal. It was make how good the damn veal was. The best veal. veal must have been good. Best veal in town. <laughs> also, it takes a long time to cook veal. How's the Italian food in this restaurant? Good. Try the veal. It's the best in the city. I'll have it. So they must have been sitting there a long time. Michael had to wait a while. Um, did they make untraceable tape in the 40s? Is that a thing? I don't know. That whole scene where he's with the gun. Where he's I, like, I know where you're going with this. Huh, yeah, I don't know. That's all that I got. Pond, that kept you late? Hi. Does he not actually, as, does he actually not as late K? as the entire Not as late as the entire section of Sicily in this movie. <laughs> does he actually love Kay or does he just need a wife because he's head of the family? He now? just needs a wife because he's head of the family. It looks better on paper. I think so, too. I, I totally agree. Well, and, but he must like... Okay, so he did. I don't think he wanted to go through with trying with, to fall in love with anyone. I was like, he's, he's like, oh, I've got this girl with, on the back burner. Let me go find her. That way, I don't have to well, like try to date uh, or meet anyone. Let me new. see if she's. Uh, let me see if she got married or not. Yeah, oh, and if she's married, she's then we'll, we'll take care of that. I'm sure he had plans to take care of. You know, maybe that. Just, that maybe that's the cutout scene. Maybe he just offs her her uh, ex. Um, she really, like, just welcomes him back with open arms. I told just, you. I mean, fear will do that to somebody, you know? So, uh, I don't... Could yeah. be a reason that Michael wanted to marry her, too. Yeah. He knew that, like, if she if she was willing to marry him after that long, that he could just control her. Well, I know we've talked all throughout about things we missed. What else did we miss, Nico? A ton. You're going to have to bear with me here. This oh was, boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is where you're gonna put us to sleep. You're just gonna read actually us one cut, random thing after another. Yeah, I cut half and half. You guys actually, I, we're doing a good job of sprinkling it. So we tried to sprinkle. Yeah. yeah. It does. That does a good job because I cut it in half. But Brando's cat was a stray cat he found on the Paramount lot. I found that completely Brando-esque <laughs> as it gets. Right. <laughs> just finds a cat, brings it in. That's hilarious. Uh, the ribbons on Michael Corleone are both the Silver Star and the Purple Heart. He's actually a true war hero. Although it's 
rumored uh, because of the backlash Sinatra had about him being Johnny Fontaine. The role of Johnny Fontaine was greatly reduced. I found that fascinating that he had that, that much power. Corleone, Johnny's godfather. To the Italian people, that's a very religious, sacred, close relationship. Um, the character of Hollywood mogul Jack Wolf was uh, Warner Brothers, at the time, Jack Warner. So I love the fact that all these guys were actually real characters in real time. It, it means more if you were living back then. Duvall wishes that he had a better hairpiece. That's how he looks back on this movie. Not that he was a metal-worthy actor. That's because there's a scene where he walks away towards the end and his hair looks so bad from behind. That's probably why. Really? He just wants yeah, that cut. Yeah, right towards the tail cut. end. After he tells Sally Boy, he can't go, you know, he's not going with him. Coppola didn't want to direct this at first due to violence and glorify, or glorified mafia violence. I thought that was pretty original. But then he realized he owned, he was in debt 400k to Warner Brothers because of THX 138. Is that the right title that he did with Lucas? Did you guys hear about that okay. one? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have heard of that. So one. Lucas and him were good friends, obviously. Lucas is credited as a co-editor on this film. Um, even though we bashed some of the editing. <laughs> but um, Lucas is so fond of The Godfather that he um, pays multiple homages to it within the Star Wars universe. Most uh, recognizably when Leia strangles Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi. Very Godfather-esque when uh, Luca gets, uh, when Luca Brasi gets gets killed with the, yeah. the strangulation. And Carlo at the end. So. But, um, yeah, so George Lucas also edited the headlines montage with the newspapers mm -hmm. of all the time passing of all the violence. Uh, Pacino kept his job only after executives saw this the footage assassination of, yeah. yeah I thought that was interesting they've been sitting around like when is this guy going to do something and then they see that yeah. and they're like you can stay and yeah. finally I got that Howard Stern has said he would gladly host any any cast member of this film and they can show up unannounced on his radio show I thought that was a cool tidbit I like that yeah I like that uh, James Caan improvised the part where he uh, uh, throws the FBI camera and I just love that moment because then he also improvised the part where he whips out money and throws it. Because, you know, back then where you came from, if you broke something, you repaid it or, you know, replaced it. That's just a great little moment. He, like, breaks the guy's I, camera I and then I whips out him. his wad of cash and throws a couple hundreds at him. You know, I mean, obviously they're probably 20s. But He's really good at <laughs> checking thing. himself after he does that, too. Like, when he, when he yells at Tom and then apologizes that he didn't mean it. Yep. I mean, he didn't. I mean, him and Tom were best friends. He, he's the one that brought Tom in. So, I love that moment. I love, I love Sonny and Tom's relationship because Tom has no problem yelling at Sonny in even the heatest moments. And technically, Tom's not, you know, blood. And so, it really shows how much clout Tom still has. But it was uh, just business. Yep, just business. <laughs> just business. <laughs> Final thoughts, Jesse. So again, just the story of this movie, like we, we compared it to a lot of like literary classics um, and a lot of other classic movies and classic shows and just kind of the format that, that it follows. Um, but something we didn't mention was the violence in, the, in this film and in researching for this podcast, like, and, and actually I, I watched, rewatched it uh, the last time my mom was in town. 
And so I asked her, I'm like, do you remember seeing this movie? And she's like, yeah. Um, she just had her 50th year reunion for her high school graduation. And she's like, I saw this my senior year of high school. And I was like, what do you remember about it? And she said, the violence. It was something that they, you'd never seen in film before. Just how violent this movie and the scenes where people are, are getting killed like how graphic it is. So it's just something that we didn't mention. I, I, I definitely want to mention that. Um, nowadays, like this is very tame, but back in 1972, it, it, I mean, the violence and the, the graphic scenes they showed was revolutionary. Um, and the producers didn't think it was violent enough at times. And Coppola kind of pushed back and said, uh, you just need to slow yourself because uh, to the point where I think one day I want more folklore here, but I, I, the one of the days where Carlo beats the you know the bejesus out of Connie, that uh, he made sure that that was like the, you know the next scene that the producer saw one day was because you know they were complaining the movie wasn't violent enough, and that's a different violent aspect of the movie, and but then it leads into. Like Sonny's death, and which is just it's this ultimate scene. So you get the horse head at the beginning, which is just like that was probably like that blew people away, right? And we didn't even mention that in this entire podcast, but so I'm glad we just got it in there. But <laughs> that that horse head definitely blew everybody away. But and, but the Sonny scene that you know they they did that in one take, and it was the most expensive scene in the movie. It cost them a hundred grand. And, which was a ton of money at the time, obviously, but they got it done in one take, and it's certainly violent. It's very Bonnie and Clyde esque, which broke the production code for violence, so that's no coincidence either. But um, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up the violence because there was pushback that it wasn't enough at, at times. But final thoughts, Jeff? Arguably the most important film in uh, movie history. It so much is owed to this film and future things it's not a top 25 movie of mine or a top 50 probably not even a top 100 but it is so fucking good and the seeds that it lays for future just film and television entertainment uh can be seen everywhere nico final thoughts like, I remember, just to continue on what Jeff said, like, I remember that as well, how iconic it was. I remember in 80s sitcoms as a kid, like, Charles in Charge had the famous Godfather episode. Married with Children, I believe, did. And across, you know, music and movies, those songs, there's an Italian restaurant here in Denver. They have Monday night specials on pasta, and they, they play the Godfather soundtrack 50 years later. How iconic it is. It may not be one of my favorites either, but I respect it to the greatest, to even call it a top ten movie, to... To add that complication of it, it's not my favorite, but I respect it as one of the top greatest of all time. And I saw that in my last two rewatches. I saw it today. I feel it, like you said, in every scene. And it's just something that can never be replicated, especially 50 years later. I don't think any movie today will be talking about 50 years from now. Uh, I agree with that, for sure. The one thing I will say that this movie is one of my my top 50, and I I lump it together with with the second one. I, I, I kind of pair them as a partnered deal but this was really special this was really fun and i I hope it comes off to our listeners as very genuine and for any 
super Godfather fans. I hope we did it justice for you because I know there's people that have seen this movie, you know, upwards of a hundred times, and there's people that, you know, do like Godfather Thanksgivings and watch Thanksgivings and cook and make spaghetti dinners, and this is a very traditional, iconic movie, and um, we even found a way to get Charles in charge into this podcast, but uh, I, I, I didn't see that coming, Nico, but uh, I love that it did, but I, I just hope everyone enjoyed this as much as I did, and this is a special movie, and so I, I hope it was a special podcast. It felt special to me, and it felt a little different than our than our, our normal ones, and I uh, hope everybody loves it as much as we did, but uh, on behalf of Jeff, Nick, and Jesse, and myself... Thanks again for listening to another edition of Movie Tales. We'll be back soon. Take care, everybody.